So, nice to be with you again this morning. This is the last of our uh, gatherings here in uh, the expanded region of our Sargrahi congregation, where we are having, that is, at Sargrahi, a festival um, sometime soon, next weekend. So, we invite you all to come and spend some time with us there as well, and typically uh, on the third uh, meeting that we usually have here, every time I come, I uh, open the floor for questions rather than giving a particular talk on a particular subject. We did discuss some interesting subjects the last couple of days, uh, but questions from anywhere will try to entertain them. Yes. Um, you've been talking about the deep scars that we have from our material experiences and how they get replaced by Harinam Sankatan and hearing about great personalities like Randavanda and Das Thakur. Through Bhakti and Association, yeah. yeah. All such practices. It's like the samskaras, the material samskaras are so deep because they're from experiences and so how can they be replaced by just hearing about great personalities and associations of Sadhu Sangha? Well, the impressions, some scars, you know, you know, very broadly speaking, as I said, means impressions. I draw some, some comparison with David Hume's theory of impressions, in which he uh, theorized that all beliefs are derived from experience or impressions. Famous empiricist, um, which broadly speaking implies or says that the samskara theory is broadly speaking empiricist. Uh, there's empirical basis for it, and it's, it's a thought. But um, um, as I also said, uh, um, there's a there are lesser, so to speak, vrittis, impressions uh, that form together to form deeper, um, um, related uh, vrittis form a samskar, which which then forms vasana. So, and it's a, it, but this is all going on in the subtle, subtle body, and um, the way. A simple answer to your question, it really is, is the way in which you have become um, influenced uh, by material samskaras is exactly the same way uh, that you become influenced by uh, bhakti samskaras. Some of, some of that is subtle, some of it is more uh, gross and, uh, and, uh, and powerful. Uh, you have a powerful experience hmm? materially it forms an, Im- an impression but impressions can come from very subtly also from uh, almost um, by, by, by being in an environment and not even paying attention to it you may be influenced by it nonetheless so um, the same holds true uh, for, for bhakti 
So you may be in good association and you may not know it. Right? But an environment is created by that and if you're present in that, then some impression is going to come. Now, when we, at the same time, when we have accumulated, for example, impressions like that, that come perhaps um, without our awareness of them, and then we apply themselves, or excuse me, ourselves in relation to them, for example, by subsequent practice, having come that far to uh, embrace the path and so forth, then we are consciously um, creating, so to speak, uh, impressions or giving way for bhakti to create impressions uh, with with effort, with endeavor and so forth. And, uh, and the more, obviously, the absorbed one comes, the deeper the impression is going to be. But there are less deep impressions. We say that seed, Rupa Goswami teaches, that the seed of the rati or the bhava that we will attain is uh, derived from from sadhu sangha. Um, so there's a you know there's a beginning to that subtly, like I, like I say, even without knowing, you could have such um, Im- impressions. Hmm? Um, people are moving according to their impressions. So devotees are also moving according to the impressions, and advanced devotees are moving according to the impressions derived from bhakti, and so their movements, their uh, interactions with us, their blessings, as may be the case, and so forth, this all um, uh, affects our 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 chitta. And, 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 and as I was saying, Mahaprabhu begins his idea of how to bring the uh, how the the collision of the Anadi Siddha Samskars of the associates of Krishna who are have inborn tendencies and impressions without beginning for serving Krishna. The, 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 when they meet, we have that interesting idea that we would like to be like them. Then the rude awakening at the same time is I'm not like them. <laughs> I have all these other impressions that are taking me and causing me to act in in ways that are even opposed to what what an, an ideal that I become attracted to. So this is this collision, if you will, between bhakti samskars coming through guru parampara and and um, and and the bhakti that flows through there in all of its forms and shapes and so forth. It makes a there's this, this collision with our material samskars and Mahaprabhu was spoken of, but not as a collision, but as a as a cleansing of the of the mirror of one's chitta that is now is reflecting a particular image that uh, I'm identified with, cleansing that and replacing it with another image, or replacing it with another image, turn it the other way around and. It's a more powerful image, an image, an identification with something, an ideal that corresponds with, in a broad sense, my nature, because I'm of a chit nature rather than an achit nature. So the impressions I have from material nature, they cannot be as powerful. They have no uh, no roots 
Pujapachita Maharaj once gave the example of moss. So our material life is like moss on the earth. It, it, it's on the ground, but it's not rooted there. It, it may cover up the whole ground and look pretty awesome or <laughs> uh, foreboding or, or whatever if you if you need to uh, take it up. Maybe a lot of it, maybe tall. I don't know, but but it's not hasn't hasn't got any roots. Hmm, it's not rooted. Maybe maybe mushrooms don't have roots. Uh, maybe that's another example. Do they? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Okay. So um, we're not our identification with matter is such that we're not rooted and we haven't grown out of it. Hmm? We're not a product of it. Hmm? Our roots are not there. Um, we are of a nature, as I often say, that lends itself to being uh, nurtured, which puts us in some, some of a, somewhat of an in-between position. Right? We, so we're not born of the material soil, but neither are we, do we have inborn impressions for serving Krishna, which, which uh, uh, is what uh, um, qualifies, you could say, the inhabitants of Vrindavan to be who, who they are and, uh, and uh, serve and love in, in the ways that they do. However, that said, while I, we are in this intermediate position, at the same time, um, we are of a chit nature rather than a chit, a consciousness nature. So we, typically the abade abade, the one indifference equation of Gaudiya Vaishnavism is spoken about in terms of the, the, the idea that the shaktis of Bhagawan are one with him and different from him at the same time. Hmm? Like heat and light are one with fire and different. And I've extended that sometimes to say that sparks are also one with the fire and different. The smoke is one with the fire and different. So in that extended analogy, we've got smoke, which represents the Maya Shakti, that can obscure, for example, the the, the illuminating power of the spark for a while, which represents the, the jiva, the Tatasta Shakti. And then we have the heat and light, which represents the nature of the internal energy or Swarup Shakti that can illuminate knowledge. It means that light is often a, a, a metaphor or a graphic uh, to depict knowing. Hmm? Um, so light and heat is feeling. So, hmm? so samvit, knowing, ladini, loving. Now when you take this example, this analogy, the heat and light are a shakti of the fire, the spark is a shakti, the smoke is a shakti, but they're all different at the same time. And the heat and the light is more like the fire and more inseparable. Hmm? We can see sparks come out of the fire and smoke seems to separate from it, hmm? although uh, you can say that's its origin. Um, if it's got wood in it, but, <laughs> but it's just an analogy. So, so, but the heat and light kind of don't come out of the fire, right? They're always in the fire. So that means that the internal uh, shakti of Krishna's Sarup shakti is more one than it is different. 
Smoke on the other end of the spectrum is more different, obscuring in its nature rather than you know uh, illuminating. It's more different. It's dark, and the fire is 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 bright. Hmm? But nonetheless, it's one because it doesn't have a separate origin. Without smoke, there's not fire. Hmm? So then we have the in-between, right? So we have the Tatasta Shakti, the Jiva, which I've compared to the, to, to the spark. And it's more like the fire than it is like the smoke, right? It's not a lot like, comparatively like heat and light. <laughs> because if you have a spark, you, you know, alone, you can't cook with it. And you can't light the whole room either. But with a fire, you can cook... You can you can you can heat the whole house uh, and so forth, but it's still it's more like the fire and more like the heat and light, for example, than the smoke, right? Hmm. Um, so here again, we've made a distinction that the shaktis are one and different, and some are more one and some are more different, and that's an extension the way I'm talking about it than what you, we, the standard fare is theologizing a bit, if you will. But to take it a step further, then the, the, the question is the relation, and I guess I've done it a little bit, the relationship between the Shaktis. Is there a bait a bait between smoke and spark and, um, um, and uh, uh, fire, uh, heat and light and, and, a, spark, and a spark or, or something like that? What, anyway, what, but Anyway, so in a way, yes. In in a way, the spark is more like the heat and light than it is like the smoke. So, is there a bed a bed between the shaktis? Hmm? You follow? It's an interesting thought. Um, and in a sense, yes, the the, the jiva shakti, the tasta shakti, although its position is kind of neutral or in Prabhupada's term marginal, intermediate, uh, again, as I've said, a, it is of a nature that lends itself to being nurtured. That means if it's nurtured by, to be nurtured, it needs an environment where it's going to get impressions, <laughs> okay, for example, right, some scars, nurtured. And then a person, then an identity is going to form out of that, right? So if we associate, if we find ourselves in the material environment, the whole environment is going to affect us, and it's going to cause a certain picture of who I am to appear that I identify with, and so forth, right? Um, but that identity, as I say, it has uh, no roots hmm? because there's a there's there's a a clear difference between the spark and the fire. Hmm? Um, one is Maya Shakti is Achit and Jeev Shakti is Chit. Now we could be nourished by the Sarup Shakti, the heat and light in our analogy, but the, because the Jeev Shakti, like the Sarup Shakti, is consciousness. Hmm? You can't mix matter and and spirit, so to speak. But two kinds of spirit, they they would combine in, in, in more readily, let us say. Hmm? There's a more uh, possibility for integration. Hmm? Um, um, you know, if you have an apple 
and a banana, or an orange and a banana, it might be hard to mix them. But if you have an orange and a grapefruit or another citrus or something like that, they're, 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 they're different. But anyway, just to try to make the point. Uh, or, or, uh, anyway, so, so, <laughs> so uh, therefore, for example, it's taught in the Gita, and this is a, a point that it's good to good to take in. Um, there is uh, in the Gita, it's taught that the the Atma in the second chapter, second chapter of the Gita is the first part of it. First thirty-eight verses are all about the uh, the nature of the Atma. You may notice there that the focus is primarily on the eternality, the Sat. Of the of the jiva, which is its you know fullest sense, it has it has the capacity to know and it has the capacity to love, but it it is hmm, in all circumstances. Um, whereas uh, the manifestations of the, of the material nature come and go, they they transform. Hmm? So one of the things that's said about the atma there is it's not subject to transformation. Hmm? Whereas uh, material forms are all subject to transformation. We say, as I often cite uh, in common English parlance, uh, here today, gone tomorrow, and it applies to just about everything, right? Hmm? Just, just how long your tomorrows are. The sun will also burn out, we're told. Hmm? Not only from our books, but other, other books. Uh, um, so just give it a, a, little, a little time. And that may be a long time, but in relation to all the time there is, it's, if you will, eternal time, then it's, it's, it's just a blip, it's just a moment, right? It's just, it's just a br- the exhalation of the great Vishnu, the Maha, the Vishnu, just this outgoing breath. So depends who you are, whether, whether it's a long time, relative worlds and conceptions of time, right? So... Um, so what was the point? So, um, so in the second chapter of the Gita, we we were taught that the Atma is you are the Atma. It's a very flattering uh, uh, section of the Gita that concludes with the statement that some have heard about him and think it's amazing. Some have say he's amazing. Some experience it's, it's amazing. The, the sum and substance of all that's been said is this Atma is amazing. The nice thing about this verse is that if we understand the Atma comprehensively, which he's just, Krishna's just beginning to talk about there, hmm, then that amazing carries a, a very far-reaching import that takes into consideration the fact that the Atma has a potential. Like I said, it has a nature and its nature lends itself to nurture. Hmm? But the nurture, which is the point I'm making, is not a transformation that it's not subject to. Hmm? It's not subject to the transformations of birth, death, old age, uh, and, and so forth. The coming and going, the, the Nama Rupa. And in another sense, then we usually use the terms Nam and Rupa to refer to Krishna's name and form. Nam Rupa is also a name, the way the Upanishads have called the world. 
Nam Rupa, forms and names, forms derived from from names in a sense. We categorize things, we divide things by sound, and we make this is that, and this is this, and and so forth. And all that all that Nam Rupa is is illusory. Hmm? We've made it up. It's a made up world. Hmm? It's it's interesting. It's a made-up world. What the scientific community says is the real world. <laughs> From our point of view, it's a made-up world entirely. Hmm. So that world, all things in that are subject to transformation. Gita teaches the Atma is not subject to transformation. Hmm. But it's amazing, and it's amazingness, if you will, it's awesomeness, uh, fully understood, which we would take from the, the Gaudiya perspective that has a very robust understanding of the nature of the Atma com- compared, for example, to yoga, uh, uh, Siddhanta, or Advaita Vedanta. There is no individual Atma. In yoga, Siddhanta is just a witness, has no agency, uh, no, no capacity for, for, for qualitative experience like bliss, uh, so forth. So, peace maybe, but so... Um, uh, its capacity, its nature being such that it lends itself to nurture, it can be nurtured by the Swarup Shakti, by Bhakti, hmm? and then it's it's going to reach its full sense of being amazing. Hmm? Right? Krishna's talking about it in a kind of a rudimentary way. It's amazing compared to everything else that's here today and gone tomorrow and uh, and so forth, but in a, in a further sense, it's amazing because it has the potential, as a spark, to have make to have ingress of bhakti. It can take an ingress of bhakti. It can't take the ingress of material nature. Matter can't mix with it. Prabhupada used to like to give an example of water and uh, oil. So oil flows with the water, but it, they don't com- they don't combine. It stays on the top. Hmm? So we can't mix the matter and consciousness, but we can mix consciousness and consciousness. We can um, mix Satchitananda Anu, atomic, with with uh, uh, Sambit uh, Sandini, Sambit Ladini, which is being, knowing, loving, or such uh, and also sometimes say on on steroids that has the capacity to control the embodiment of such ananda that Krishna is we we hear he is such ananda vigraha and so forth but his sarup shakti this is like the, in the our analogy cited earlier of the heat and the light it has the power to to control him hmm? to conquer him Hmm. Uh, to make him the child, to make him the friend, make him the great Brahman, hmm, the lover, and so forth. Um, so, because we are of a, a nature that we can be nurtured, if we are nurtured by that bhakti, then we can really be amazing, is, is the point. And that it does not constitute what the Gita is talking about when it says, it doesn't constitute a transformation that the Gita says the jiva is not subject to. Hmm? It's not that we become the Sarup Shakti, but the combination is 
it, 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 I've given an example before. If a young boy falls in love with a young girl, hmm, he has the potential for that to happen, or she has that potential for that to happen. Hmm? When it happens, you're still the same young lady, young girl, young boy, as may be the case, but somehow there is a there's a there's a mixing right that makes you more you actually become you're supposed to become more <laughs> and it, when that when it, when it, when when the love is krishna and and that uh, comes uh, within us then we become more in terms of our potential so we haven't been transformed because we've always had this potential given the right environment. Hmm? And then in that environment, which is always reinventing itself constantly for the pleasure of Krishna, hmm? then we are one of those invent reinventions as a new friend of Krishna, a new gopi of Krishna, that's new and not new at, at the same time, because that's what the Sarup Shakti does. So it's And it's not within time, however that works. It's a little bit, doesn't fit between the ears, right? So, so at any rate, we, we're of a nature that lends itself to nurture, so the, we're, we're kind of mal-nurtured by the association of material nature, and we've got an identity that's not well-rooted, and therefore it will be uprooted, and that's the whole thing we're trying to fight against, right? We're struggling to exist because it appears like we might not if we don't keep our guard up, right? Hmm. Um, and of course, it's it, it, it's true, materially speaking, in terms of the identity that's appearing in our uh, in, in, in our minds, so to speak, and uh, the samskaras that uh, inform our uh, ego, hunkar. Hmm. Um, but uh, the actual self, this the sense that I am, that I often distinguish between in some of my talks. The idea that I am, or that I am this or that, I could say I am this, or I could say I am that, and that might change, right? For example, I could say I'm a daughter, and sometime you might be saying I'm a mother, right? <laughs> and that would be more your focus and identity, except on Mother's Day, where you would still remember your mother, who would be a grandmother, <laughs> uh, and so forth. So uh, it's coming. So. Uh, <laughs> around the corner <laughs> it's uh, so things change our sense of identity change we could change our our uh, 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 nation we identify with we could give up our US passport and and get a, a French passport or an Indian passport right become an Indian citizen uh, you could um, uh, a more radical change you could change your uh, your your sexual orientation uh, what they call trans, uh, yeah. Trans. So, to, so that that can be done by. Uh, uh, so you know when you start thinking about it, like all of the things that we're made up of and all of the things that we think we are, are really subject to change. That's a pretty radical change, and that you, you could you could undergo that if you so desired. Hmm. I mean that's a pretty pretty core, you know central to your material identity, your your sexual orientation, it could be changed. Hmm. It's kind of a nice point about how illusory hmm, our identification 
is even with gender it could change nationality could change you could i don't know if you could change your 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 race but anyway the whole thing can change and everybody of course death comes and there's a change so what in our lives we are constant materially speaking we're kind of re probably used to give the example of the gita of course which says from childhood to youth to dehi no prapti from childhood to uh, to youth from youth to old age the body's changing uh, every 7 years all the cells change uh, the wise person is not bewildered by the change and so forth and the changes within youth within uh, adolescence within old age are many as well as i'm as i'm saying hmm? um, so all those changes are changing from thinking i am this or i am that and what's missed uh, in all of those identifications that i am this or i am that is what the gita says diras tatra namuyati a sober person who is not just taken by the transformations of material nature hmm? and just being pulled around by them as the environment changes then you're changing with it hmm? a sober person the gita says is not bewildered by these changes and what is that sober person thinking he's thinking i thought i was this i thought i was that i thought i was this and that and this and that and this and that and all the time i never thought that more significant than i am this or i am that which is always changing is something that never changes and what's that if i say i am this and then i say i'm that then i say i'm this and i'm saying that what I'm, i'm talking about changes but there's something that doesn't change in what i'm saying can you think what it is i am this i am that i am hasn't changed right but i am this or that is changing but that i am that doesn't change hmm? whoa i am and actually i'm not this or i'm not that all these changes hmm? and i am what is what does that mean so beyond my fleeting changing material identity that is just how the wind blows hmm? so to speak the answer is blowing in the wind i mean <laughs> kind of uh, if you look at it carefully right uh, that i am in all this that identity has some uh, roots it's rooted in in the consciousness world hmm and the identity of this or that that has no roots as problematic as our upadis material designations are and as difficult as they appear to change and this is what your question is about remove the samskaras and and so forth it's really not a big deal and i, I know that doesn't sound you know, like how you experience it but from the broader perspective and the philosophy it's it's actually you're not you have no roots there it's quite possible hmm? yeah, it's, uh, it's 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 doable and 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 bhakti course gives a very powerful and user friendly way uh, to do that by um, by bringing us in, in bring us in touch with the impressions if you will that drive the whole through shakti the whole world that they're so powerful these um, pers- persons that personify 
uh, Sakya Rasa, Madhurya Rasa, uh, Mother's Day, Yashoda Mai, the mother of Bhagwan. I mean, how powerful is it that you're the mother of the absolute truth, who's, you know, who's Brahman, as I often say, who's everywhere, and you're making him, you know, stand in the corner this morning. <laughs> I mean, what is that? It's a very, very. So, what are the what are the impressions? The some, if we look at it like that, the impressions that are driving them, that are derived from the Sarup Shakti. If we ha- if we only make ourselves of available, so to speak, to have exposure to them, even if we don't, they're 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 always a for- bhakti is always a force in the world. Karma is always a force in the world, but bhakti is always, always there. So even without trying, you can come in touch with that. Hmm? I've given the example before that one of my godbrothers was once told that he was in a car with Prabhupada and they were going to a some place to where Prabhupada was going to give a talk and there was a doorman who opened car doors. That was his job, you know, for people when they pulled up. So all day long he's just pulling open doors, opening doors. And so my godbrother got out of the car and then he and, and then this man opened the door, was in the back seat and Prabhupada got out and he thought the man's life's become successful today. All day he's opening doors. You know, it's just all in the realm of karma. Now he's opened a door for a, a a Mahabhagata a sadhu to come out and his who who is driven only by uh, the the internal energy mm-hmm. um, he's under the daivim prakriti the sarup shakti moving in this world but not of the world and you've you know done something hello sir welcome open the door hmm? and so he he goes. Oh, thank you, and he sends some impression without trying, just because who he is, hmm? and and so he's opening doors all day long, and he opened the right door today. It's now a new door has been opened for him. Hmm? He opened the door, and now it's opened a door for him, and gradually, gradually, he'll accumulate more such uh, some scars, and they start to form, and 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 and, and then be followed up on with practice and so on and so forth and um, so those uh, at any rate those powerful um, some scars that drive that that the the inhabitants of Vrindavan see their power they're they're controlling Brahman they're turning him into a into a child hmm? even into an intimate equal friend in into a lover hmm? He's complete. This is the, the absolute truth, the ultimate reality. The vastu is, is under their completely under their influence, and then that influence is brought here through Guru Parampara. So we need but make ourselves available to that. I've often said our effort is to try to get grace. That's a very different way of looking at effort, right? If I think I need to make some effort here, I do. Sadhana requires effort and grace, but it's an effort to get grace. So how do you get, you know, you hold your hands up like help, you know. That's your, you make an effort like that. I'm over here. You know, what do you do in the middle of the ocean if you're, you know, on a raft and uh, you need, you know, to be rescued? What effort can you make? You just have to go like this and shout and, you know, 
try to attract a flying airplane or a boat at a distance. Hmm? You got to make the effort. So we have to make effort in sadhana, but to understand it properly, and you'll get this from experience, when you make your full effort by uh, engaging in sadhana as it should be with your heart rather than with your tongue or your ear, with your mind somewhere else, how do you capture your mind in your sadhana? Mind follows the heart. You have to give your heart. This is the bhakti way. You could set up an environment. That's a good idea. You could maybe do pranayam. Hmm? This is, these are techniques for, for, for making the mind focused and so forth. Yoga is a very sophisticated system for focusing the mind, hmm? which is interesting, of course, uh, because as I was mentioning the other day, it is a little bit of a thread of my own here, that, um, that the descriptions of subtle matter, for example, or the Atma, which is transcendent, that comes from yoga, and the entirety of yoga, which is include, includes bhakti yoga, are these descriptions are derived from experience. Somebody just didn't sit down and decide one day, maybe there's something called chakras. Could be. And I'll make a theory, there's a thing called a chakra. That's what goes on <laughs> in modern philosophy today. And it, based on observation, you get observation, science, you get some something about the nature of, of, of how matter is working, and then based on that you, you make up maybe the self that we all think is real, which isn't, is this. It's a product of certain bubbling within the neuro uh, circuits on this side, you know, and, and, and they make these, just every day you can read it. Every day I look at the Google News and there's always a section, because of, I guess they got me figured out, you know, about consciousness. <laughs> hmm? So I read the article and I make some comment, you know, usually about, you know, that, what my opinion is about it. And it's always some new idea that 90% of the other uh, peers in the community totally disagree with and say it's nonsense. And, and somebody wrote the article, liked it, and thought, we're getting closer now. We've figured out what consciousness is, the material and biological basis of consciousness. And plenty of people from the materialistic side come on and make comments and say that and, you know, it doesn't work you know that he's not merely making any point whatsoever here he hasn't said anything you know and so forth and then they give their own materialistic theory and, and so they, that's what they do and they're just kind of well to use Prabhupada's term speculating about it it's speculate it's not a bad thing that you can make conjectures based on observation um, but but the way in which this subtle matter has been analyzed and talked about um, in the yoga circles is not like that. I mean, it is based on observation, but it's observations derived from a certain approach to analyzing and understanding the mind. You see, in yoga, let's take just yoga sadhana, for example. In yoga, I mean, pain, pain and pleasure, let's take the problem of pain or evil in the world. Yoga just says it's all in the mind. <laughs> and they're right. Yeah? That's a per you could talk about it in different ways, of course. But yoga says evil in the world, pain, suffering in the world, um, it's all in the mind. And it's a true answer. There may be other answers that are true too, but that's a pretty interesting one. It's true. 
if, if without the mind, there's no experience of, of pain. Hmm? It's all in the mind. And they've shown a way that you can turn off pain hmm? by harnessing the mind. And these really strong schools of tapasya, for example, they they do things like uh, go into the Ganges, you know, up in the Himalayas in the month of Magh, you know, February, March, very cold, at, at midnight, stand up to your neck and say, pain of cold, it's all in the mind, hmm? right? And they can and they can go and stand in the at noon in the summer in May, in the Rajasthani desert next to a fire, and they these are strong schools of tapasya. They're trying to like demonstrate to themselves this, this point, and they and they do. And so what have they done? I mean, people are studying the mind. They want to think the mind meant mostly that the mind is the brain, and there's nothing but physical forces going on in the world, and that's the reality. Again, as I said earlier. This made-up world, as we see it, <laughs> of names and forms, is what they think is the is the real world. Uh, and, and so they study the mind, they study the brain. Hmm? But I mean, what is the yogic approach to examining the mind, and where do they get to if they can turn off the pain? Have they? You may think they may know something about the mind. How do they do that? <laughs> By studying the mind. Now, it's a, it's a certain discipline for studying the mind. It's different than psychology. I mean, it's different than uh, neurology. Neurology? Yeah. Brain sciences. It's yoga. Hmm. It's got its own psychology, too, hmm. uh, which, which serves to uh, support why it should be approached and uh, why, it's, why it should be embraced and so forth. So... In the context of this approach to studying the mind, I mean, it can't be dismissed as something that's not a study of the mind because the practical, objective results are there. I'm just giving one example, right? Turn off the pain. Hmm? Um, So, in the context of that, they observe chakras, for example. They observe this division, chitta, manas, ahankar, and so forth. Hmm? Uh, you know, yes, that is written down by Kapila uh, um, in the Sankhya Karika, the, the, the Sankhya philosophy. Prabhupada used to call uh, him an atheist, and it's true in one sense. In another sense, it's, of course, not true. It's true that he, he has no God in his theory, hmm? but sometimes the amongst the, amongst the Indian darshans, uh, or, or philosophies uh, of old, uh, they were all considered broadly theistic if they accepted revelation. Revelation. Whereas the Buddha, Buddhists were Gnosticas because they didn't accept the revelation, the sacred texts, for example. So, so th- therefore, our Acharyas, they draw from the Sankhya philosophy. They, they have their own um, take on it, which is very theistic form. In other words, they take the Sankhya and they say, yeah, the world is like, the matter is like this and so forth. And the Purusha is the Atma and there's also a Paramatma and, and so on and so forth. But it's not that, but but this uh, this Kapila that I'm speaking of, he was a Rishi also. Hmm? He believed in the supernatural. He had experience of the supernatural. The Purusha, which is his word for the Atma, and the Prakriti, which is his word for matter, which he then explains from the Sankhya point of view. So his book 
came out of experience. Hmm? So, um, it's just an interesting point uh, that I w uh, like to uh, play out a little bit because these things are thought, uh, pran, you know, we, what do they call it? Vitalism. We, you know, we gave up on that a long time ago. Vital forces and things like that. We know these, those things don't exist. What to speak of chakras and and these things get abused. Of course, the chakra therapies and stuff that, that are sometimes imaginary and uh, and whatnot. Um, but uh, anyway, there, I don't know how we got onto that. But there's a subtle body, and in the subtle body comes these impressions, right? Mm -hmm. And if we if, if we if we position ourselves, this is again the effort of bhakti, to 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 uh, uh, take advantage of that current of bhakti in the world, asadu sangha, hmm? then these impressions that are so powerful that they they're controlling Krishna, uh, how easily they can uh, replace. The material samskaras, and especially when they, they they run on a similar kind of parallel, hmm? so to speak. In other words, they're 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 we have impressions that cause us to act in certain ways, and all of those ways, for the most part, could be done in relation to Bhagawan and constitute a form of of bhakti. So it's a very um, it's easy, and the conditioning seems very strong and overwhelming, but you've got to step back sometimes and see the bigger picture and be encouraged by that because you get too close to it and it's and it, you, you, you might think this is impossible and uh, therefore the, the step back, what is that step back? The step back is, is, the, is, the, is the philosophy really where you, where you start to train your intellect, you start to spiritualize your intellect and this is what Nishta, the stage of kind of interim goal in the stage from beginning initial faith to prame constitutes. Nishta means that intelligence is spiritualized. So it it it's like uh, you know they used to say about Pujapat Sridhar Maharaj um, that when he reads the newspapers it's like reading the Vedas. Hmm? You know you might hear me sometimes talk about something like you know I I decided to look into the stock market and think about it, and then I I think about it all from total from bhakti point of view and explain it like that, or you know, as an analogy or something. So you start everything that you see, everything that happens, it's all you, your intelligence has been, your discriminating power has been saturated with with bhakti, and it's fixed on that perspective. So it's seeing everything through that. That lens. This is part of nishta. The other part is to have the goal um, fixed and uh, and so forth. But anyway, to the to arrest the intellect, capture it uh, spiritually, uh, make the faith, the tender faith that we begin with, strong. It's another way of defining nishta: firm faith. Dudanischaya hmm? Rupa Goswami describes it. Hmm? For uh, to be of a, a qualified to practice from an intermediate, uh, in an intermediate sense, rather than a superlative sense or or in, or in a neophyte sense, uh, to have your intelligence involved. That means prior to having your intelligence involved, you could be involved without having without being a thinking devotee. Hmm? 
And that's a recipe for ups and downs. Ups and downs. Or letting the downs get you down, even. Hmm? Because there are downs that happen that aren't um, consensual, I want to say. Hmm? If it's if it's not consensual, I didn't really want to do it. And Arjun brings us up in the Gita. I didn't want to do it, but I did it anyway. He asked Krishna, what is it by which we're pre- compelled and propelled to do things that we don't even want to do? Hmm? We know it before, we know it after, we may even know it during, but we're doing it. We're thinking, I don't want to do this, I'm doing this. I, I like this, but it's bad for me. So don't let the downs get you down, because the, the downs in the ups and downs of your practice, which is anishta, are a given. Hmm? So you can begin and, and then you then you meet with a down, if you have a bad day, like I tell devotees at the ashrams, there are bad days here too. <laughs> you know, it's like you didn't just walk in here and there's never a bad day. The bad days are in your mind and you still got that with you. So you gotta, you gotta know that. You gotta work. That's why I sometimes say that the sadhana is, is is skillful. You have to put your your mind to it. Hmm? It's not just you go about about it blindly. Otherwise, you're going to get derailed. There's a possibility you're going to get derailed. The, among other things, the downs are going to get you down. There are other things, you know, um, um, as well. Um, so, you know, you might be discouraged by by um, the way devotees are, some of them. But if you understand, some people are going to be like that. And that's the category they're in. That's where their faith is at and so forth. That's why they're like that. Then you don't let them bother you to the extent that it derails your your practice. So all this is about understanding <laughs> what we're doing. We have a, an intellect and it needs to be engaged and spiritualized. That's what the Gita is really about. That's kind of the focus of the Gita, is to spiritualize the intellect. Stita buddhi. Hmm? Prabhupada compared it to the civilization of the intellect, meaning a civilized and spiritually focused and oriented intellect. And the Bhagavatam being the, what did he call it? The, the civilization of the soul proper. So the point being, as much as the, the Bhagavatam is a theological sequel to the Gita, I mean, it really does, it really is, theologically speaking. I don't mean historically speaking and, you know, and, and uh, or how it was written in time and so forth. But the Gita leads up to just where the, leaves off just where the Bhagavatam picks up. Where does the Gita leave off? You're nodding your head. You must know. Sarvadharman pritya mamekam sharanam braja. And where does the Bhagavatam pick up? You must know that too. Dharma Projita Kaitavata. So these two verses, the end of the Gita, the beginning of the Bhagavatam. So oh, here we go. So Gita says that you should give up Sarvadharma Pritya. Give up karma and gyan. Give up renunciation unto itself, which is about getting away from the world, and give up trying to capture the world in the fist of your the palm of your hand. Stop trying to acquire and think that you'll become more by that. Or stop trying to trying to get things or to give up things, which is pretty much what we do. We try to get things, and then we think, if I could only get rid of that thing. Hmm? I wanted to get that thing. It was a car, and now I just want to get rid of it. Here, I wish I could sell this to somebody. 
everybody's house, dream house that they're buying is usually somebody else's nightmare. Hmm? If, if it's not somebody else who's lived there, it's the guy who's invested in building it in some development area and he just wants to get rid of it as soon as possible. Sell those houses. Hmm? So we're all just living, as Prahlad said, punap punas charbita charvananam. Uh, the chewing the chewed. Somebody else has chewed it, they spit it out, and I look, hey, maybe it's got a little nourishment there. I'll try it out. Try it out. So, so, so Gita says to, uh, Krishna says to Arjun, look, give up these pursuits of karma and jnana in the sophisticated forms in which they're found in the scripture by which you can really acquire with regard to karma. You could acquire a life, the, the, the length of which, if you're going to enjoy, you've got to have a long life. You, I don't even know if there's, the calculators will you know, accommodate such, such numbers, your pocket one, the one on your phone anyway. So, <laughs> uh, you know, the heavens, the celestial realm, the, 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 uh, you could, uh, and uh, by karma. So if you want to enjoy and acquire, there's a sophisticated system in the scriptures that is just attuned to those people who have that leaning so they can acquire as much as you could possibly acquire and having done so, lose it all. A good lesson, right? This Krishna says in the Gita, they can go to the heaven, they can live for long, they could go to the Brahma Loka, they could even become a Brahma through karma. You don't have to become a Brahma by bhakti. Hmm? You can become a Brahma by karma. Hmm? And that Brahma calls down. <laughs> that Brahma is, is the one, Abrahma Bhuvanaloka Punara Vartino Arjuna. Again, coming down. Hmm? The Brahma who is a bhakta, by Gopa Kumar, he became a Brahma. He goes up, right? By bhakti. Hmm? So, it's different types of Brahmas, and there's plenty of universes to play that out in. But uh, but the point is, this, it's really nice, actually. The system of karma, the karma kanda, the path of karma, is, or the dharma path, is another term for it. Varnashram is another term for it, to be honest with you, is a path of pravriti, acquisition. We all are moving in a way that, if we step back, it would look like, I'm thinking I'll be more by acquiring, hmm? to one extent or another. So let's acquire in a sophisticated, systematic way. Hmm? In order to do that, this is the wisdom of the scripture in this regard, in order to acquire, in order to get, you have to give a little. That's what it teaches. If you want to get, you have to give a little. You give a little and you get a lot. You give a little and you get a lot. So it starts us by giving. That's why we're told that nam aparad is do not blaspheme the Vedas. It means do not inappropriately criticize the path of karma and the path of gyan, which we have to get to still here. Because that's all some people can do. And the scripture is very wise because even in the context of facilitating your acquiring, uh, accumulating uh, uh, propensity, it teaches you. You have to give to get. You have to give a little. You give a little more. You get a little more. So the, the giving tendency 
is coming in, in a small way. And then you get all that you could possibly get. You go to the heavens, and then you, and you realize, well, that's it. And then, and what do I do now? Now you go down. <laughs> okay. So it's a, it's a, you can either learn it by reading about it and thinking it through, or you can learn it by experience. Hmm? And Krishna says, as high as they go is as low as they as low as they come. Hmm? But in this world, and my world is different. That's of course an important point. When he says you can go all the way to the Brahmaloka, and again come down. But my world is not like that. There's no coming down from there. Hmm? There's no returning from there. Hmm? If you brudges land of no no return, no falling from there. Hmm? There's many places it's said, of course. That's one. So karma mark. Then there's the gown mark, right? You want to give up things because you got a little smart. You realized, you know, the things were problematic because you started liking them and you couldn't keep them and, and so forth. So you go to so there's a system for gown for getting away from things. Hmm? Very sophisticated. And if you if you do it right, such that you don't offend bhakti, hmm, you could you could live forever, right? And and, and you could you could attain brahmasuja, for example. Hmm? Get away from things and just ah, be peaceful, right? Hmm? So I don't know how we got to this. Where where were we? How did we come on this topic? But bhakti courses. I know your question, but. Bhakti is in between. This is a friendly path, right? Uh, I've often said, just to go on that a, a little bit further, karma karma marg means no knowledge. Karma is ignorance. And I remember where we were with the Gita. Karma means no ignorance. It, no, no, it means movement. It means action. And where there's action, there's no knowledge. Where there's knowledge, there's no action. Hmm? This is an interesting point. In other words, if my action, I'm speaking materially speaking, if my action is in relation to material things and material concepts, hmm? and in the basic drive of acquisition and the thought inherently without thinking it out, that by acquiring I'll be more, but it's like moving in that direction, that is Ignorance. There's no knowledge in that. Hmm? And that's the recipe for, for suffering, hmm? ultimately. Hmm? There's no knowledge in that. Hmm? And, in, and in knowledge, then there's no action. Because if you have knowledge, the corollary is detachment from things, and, the, uh, and you know better than to chase after them. In pursuit of enduring happiness, because they don't they don't endure. So, knowledge cancels out action. Actions cancels out knowledge. And Krishna says, give them both up. Kind of, he says, give up dharma, dharma and Give up karma, give up gyan. Hmm? sharanam. Take shelter, surrender to me. Hmm? Where? If you play it out, which constitutes love, it's not trying to get away from things or to get things. It's to understand to whom all things belong, and using them in His service, including myself. Hmm? This is love. Service is love is arises out of 
the womb of sacrifice and, and service. And in love, there is movement and there is knowledge. Hmm? So love, really, you have to understand, love gives, gives efficacy to movement and love, bhakti here, gives efficacy to jnana. If there's a little bit of bhakti in jnana, it'll be fruitful. In, 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 in karma, it'll be, it'll be fruitful. So in karma mark, for example, the traditional form of it, Varnashram, you worship all the gods and goddesses for different things, and, and, and part of that is worship Vishnu. That happens to be bhakti stuck in there. Okay, you did a little bhakti. That's what's driving the whole karma mark and making it successful. Hmm? And from the jnana side, don't disrespect bhakti. At least, Bhagavatam says, if you don't disrespect bhakti, you might, you might be fruitful. If you add it in, then definitely it's, it's going to be fruitful in terms of your ideal, getting away from things, having nothing to do anymore. Hmm? But if you take bhakti unto itself, then you've got this wholesome picture of knowledge, this wholesome picture of movement. Hmm? Do you understand? Love is, is a knowing, to be sure. Hmm? It's a knowing in which nothing else needs to be known. And you know what to do. And there's something to do. And you know what to do. You, it's, it's pregnant with knowledge and it fosters um, kind of automatic and, but knowledgeable movement. It's, it's, consider, it's described in the Gita as the king of knowledge. Hmm? Bhakti. So the Gita ends with this. Give up this bhogantyag. Hmm? And the sophisticated systems that are meant to culture acquisition and renunciation, poverty, liberty, give these two up. These are two sides of the same coin, the two tracks that material life runs on. And under themselves, they cannot get you out of the material world. Jnana is governed by sattva. Karma is governed by rajas. Sattva and rajas do not have the power to give entrance into the nirguna. They are the gunas. Hmm? Do you understand? They are material gunas. They don't have the power to give you the nirguna. And bhakti is nirguna by nature. Hmm? It's the movement of the spiritual world. There we have nama rupa also. Hmm? And there the nam and the rupa are non-different from one another. Hmm? Not like here. It's an artificial relationship between the sound that we make that categorizes a thing and the thing. The thing is not what, the, what we call it. Hmm? It's just something we've made up. They're the, the forms and the name that they won. Hmm? Hmm? They're, and they're substantial. They're not here today and gone tomorrow. Hmm? So Gita ends by saying, give that up and take shelter of me. And then Bhagavatam picks up just where it leaves us. It's a dharma projita kaitavotar paramuni matsaranam satam vijam vastavamatra vastu Shivadam tapatrayun mulanam Srimad Bhagavate Mahamunikate Kimbapara Ishvara Sadyo Hridayabrudite Trap Kitibihi Susrusubis Takshanat. What's being advocated in the end of the Gita is Shraddha, this faith. Hmm? You heard what I said? I, I've talked, you try to fix up your intellect hmm? spiritually. If you've understood, what will you do? Hmm. Now you make this effort, you, 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 uh, this uh, move according to faith in me. And, the, and what, is the, how, what is the movement of that shraddha? It is sharanagati. Hmm? To surrender. To, it's like this, I said. More here. Help. Hmm? 
call out. Hmm? Like, like trying to be reunited to your source. This is the effort to your source, something like this. Hmm? We have a, uh, what is the term? The nature of the jiva it includes a kind of a natural, born, inherent affinity for its source. Hmm? The source is the paramatma. We have an inclination towards our, our source. Like everybody's always trying to figure out their source. Where did I come from? Hmm? What's my history? Who are my relatives? What are my, what is my DNA? I can get a reading, something. Where I come from? Where do we come from? Are we stardust or what? Hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, uh, so, uh, so we come from the Paramatma. Hmm? And the beautiful thing about Gaudiya Vaishnavism is, 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 is through that Paramatma. That Paramatma has come in the form of Advaita Charja. And he let out a yell, Help! Hmm? As a bhakta. Hmm? With the bhakta abhiman, the ego of a bhakta. Bhakta avatar, Shiadweta kijai. Hmm? And he, what did he do? He said, Help! He cried out for Krishna. Krishna had to come. Hmm? And Krishna Chaitanya came, right? Through his call, hmm? appearing in the world, also then exemplifying the uh, the path uh, and so forth, which is a path of making an effort to get uh, to get grace. He was helpless. He's pitiful, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, pitiful, pitiful in his chanting and fainting and and swooning and and in the end just held in the hands of Ramananda and Swarup, holding him up. A pitiful condition. Hmm? Uh, so negative, right? So he took on such a negative, and I mean that in a positive sense, a negative quality to attract the positive Krishna. Uh, if you have a big positive magnet on one end, a magnetic flake on the other end that's trying to be positive, it'll just get pushed away. Hmm? If it takes on a negative character, you'll be drawn right to the to the to its uh, to the more powerful. Powerful, the actual powerful <laughs> magnet, the purusha. It means the, the positive charge. Hmm? We are of a negative charge, hmm? but we try to be a positive charge, and it's re, it repels Bhagawan. Hmm? But his devotees come anyway, hmm? right? And so from from the Gita, we, we we make this movement. What is the movement? We fold our hands like this. This is the way out. We need a perfect perfect method here. And my intellect alone, my physical power is just sufficient. I need to exercise my heart. Hmm? This is Again, this is how to control the mind. Where your heart is, that's where your mind's going to go. You could set up a system to control the mind. And Bhakti says, give your heart in your practice. Give it completely. Hmm? When you chant your japa, you have to give your heart. Then you know when you're doing it, and you know when you're not, and it's not easy to do to exercise your heart. But that's what sadhana is, and sadhana that's not executed in that way is sadhana not done skillfully, and that will not bring the kind of result that would then cause you to think, I guess it doesn't work. No, you didn't do the work. What was the work to exercise your heart? Hmm? You had to cry that you're not crying. Hmm? Like as what Mahaprabhu said, Nayanam kalad ashru. That I, when will tears come? Hmm? He was crying. Tears are not coming. They should be, given the nature of the nam. 
how kind he is, how generous, how capable. Hmm? And I'm just, and I'm not letting him in. He's gone in my heart, and I'm ignoring him. Hmm? As I said before, he comes in the heart and sets up a shop selling brooms. Hmm? In the midst of all the multinational corporations that have set themselves up, and they're with big lights and signs and and following you on the internet. This is what you want. This is what you want. Didn't you Google this a few minutes ago? Here it is. Right. <laughs> it, it's a, they're after you. Uh, and, and, and some guy comes along with some brooms. I got some brooms. What? Broom? Hmm. But it's a magic broom, this nom. So you just like, okay, I'll try the broom. You know, whatever. Be nice to the guy. Right. Krishna comes as a beggar, huh? a broom seller in the heart, a bungee. Hmm? And 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 so you go, okay, I'll, yeah, give him a, give the devotee a chance, or I listen, maybe I listen to these people. Let me, I take that broom. You sweep just a little bit, and this is a powerful, magical bhakti broom. So what happens is the light of the atma starts to show. Hmm? It, it it alone, the atmananda, the 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 atmagyan, hmm? it it's so bright, so brilliant. It's in a word, amazing, yes. It's amazing. Hmm? It puts out all the other lights in the world. It makes them all dim and like look, look like fireflies in the night that have no power to light it, to light the way. Hmm? Hmm. And because it's that broom is a bhakti broom, the self, the Atmananda is coming out and some abhas of Bhakti Ananda is coming. Hmm? Not just Atmananda. Because if it was just Atmananda, then and that in itself would not give you the impetus to to serve. But you think you could just get bombarded with uh, so many things you'd like to do for Krishna. <laughs> hmm? So uh, uh, from Gita to the Bhagavatam, hmm? And the Bhagavatam begins, right, as I say, right where the Gita left off. So from the civilization of the intellect to spiritualize the intellect. Hmm? With that, proceeding in that way, you can enter from the civilization, to use Prabhupada's term, of the, civil, of, the, of the intellect to the civilization of the soul itself, the world hmm? of Abhava. So Gita, Bhagavatam says, Dharma Projita Kaitabhotra. Hmm? It says, Forget about the Dharma. Forget about the Gyan. Dharma, Projita, Kaitaba. These are ways of cheating yourself out of what possibility you could have, what your potential is. Hmm? You are what you are, and part of what you are is you have a potential. You could be nourished. Your nature is that it lends itself to being nourished. You could be nourished in a way that you, what you could become would be truly amazing. Hmm? Truly amazing. Hmm? You could become, um, uh, you could be a, a vessel of bhakti rasa, rasa and he is rasa. You could become like him. Dharma pojita kaitabhutra. Get rid of, throw this out. I think we said that a minute ago in the Gita. Yes, throw that out. Hmm? Now here you come into the Paramahamsa marg, where there's no room for envy because if you're on the Paramahamsa marg. Because of good association, and but you're not a Paramhamsa, you have no envy because you have no time for envying anybody else 
because you know you understand it and therefore because you got that spiritual intellect so you got too much homework to do you can't go out and find fault to know that you got too much homework to do hmm? too busy on that no time no time and that's how you would change other people that you that you don't like not by criticizing them they won't listen one of the biggest mistakes in my life is has been thinking that irrational people will listen to reason. Hmm? I make it over and over again. <laughs> and it's very frustrating. Make a very clear point and Prabhupada's eh, there, you know, or they whatever it is. Hmm. Don't make that don't make no mistake. Hmm? And and you may not be a teacher either. Not everybody's qualified to be a teacher. Tell people how to think. Hmm? Learn how to think. Hmm? Learn how to capture, how to capture. Your, let your intelligence be captured. So Bhagavatam begins like this: Dharma Projitakaita Gotra Paramuni or Matsaranam Satam. Oh, and it goes on, of course. Vedyam Vastava Matravastu Shivadam Tapatrayon Mulanam. The power of Bhakti. The end it says that in the last verse he says, the last line he says, Tapatrayon Mulanam Shivad Bhagavate Mahamuni Kritikim Vaprayishva Sadyo. And Vishwanachakvari Thakur, one of his commentaries on the verse, he says, this is, this is all bhakti, all about faith and grace. Hmm? This, is, this is the idea. I get em emphasizing the point. The effort hmm, is to get grace. It's a very, very different than the karma effort, which is overt, and there's a little bit of sacrifice to get. Um, in Gyan, there's a huge effort hmm, to stall, force, to abstain. The effort of the effort to, to get something, that's huge. <laughs> what I have to put into that to acquire. Hmm? I get my idea what I want and then I've got to go to work to get it, right? And then to abstain from the things that I that my mind thinks might be good, but I know better with my intelligence. That's a huge effort, also negative abstination. Abstination is that a word? To abstain anyway. <laughs> to abstain. Bhakti, by comparison, is effortless. Hmm. Because the power abstain, ab abstaining is 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 part of bhakti, but the power to get that comes from Making one's giving oneself making oneself open to to come to these long drawn out talks type thing <laughs> that kind of thing where you don't have to think somebody's like giving you all kind of thoughts that you know just filling your head up with something something like that <laughs> thinking it through for you with your help you know because your inquiring minds are attractive so. <laughs> So uh, you know, I, I, of course, it's not that you just. There is effort, but you know, I'm talking about a particular way. You have to abstain from some things, and you don't want to chase after things. Uh, you have to, you have to, may have to attain some things for bhakti too. That's possible. Um, uh, Gurudev may give us some, you know, do this, and so we have to make some effort to. But the power from this comes from, from. Knowing. Then in order to do this, I need 
higher power, right? As they say in AA, you, you need you need grace, right? So making an effort to get grace is very different than the effort in karma, the effort in gyan, the effort in yoga. Yoga is a very sophisticated system, as I said, for controlling the mind and so forth. Bhakti is very, it's categorically different. That's why it's clear, if you look at it, it's from the nirgun. It's from another world. It's not from within this world. Therefore, it has efficacy. Therefore, it has power hmm? to acquaint us with that nirgun. And in Brag Bhakti, what is the measure of the acquaintance? What do we? What aspect? What part? What dimension? What what uh, degree of penetration into transcendence are we getting acquaintance with through the grace of Mahaprabhu? That region where Bhagawan is completely subjugated, hmm? and the subjugating power is what comes to us through that line. Hmm? So, again, if it can subjugate Bhagawan, what? How easy it would be to subjugate and dismiss our material samskaras that have no roots, right? Hmm? Our material attachment—it's like mushrooms only, just moss. Just you just get a broom and sweep it away, something like that. Hmm? And then, then, then your consciousness. So you're rooted in the chit, uh, chit world, not the achit world. But now, now you, 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 you're under the the cultivating influence of the Sarup Shakti, so you're going to be, and you can integrate with that. Hmm? It's not a transformation. There's no death there. You don't undergo the transformations. I said the Atma doesn't go to undergo transformation, but there's a becoming in Bhakti. This is very peculiar because the standard fare of Vedanta is stop trying to become, to be, hmm? to be pleasured, to be secure. To 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 be uh, knowledgeable, you are knowledge. You are pleasure. You are existing sat. You can't not exist. You're sat chidananda. Stop trying to be all the things that you are. Just be what you are. Hmm? We agree with that. Hmm? But that we are, they, the idea is you're all trying to become something. That you are, hmm? and we at the same time we agree with that, but we're also trying to become something, hmm? because that atma, that the tasrakti has some has some potential. It's of the nature that it can be nourished. So we can. There's a becoming within bhakti. The atma is becoming all that it can be that it could not be without that kind of association and those types of samskars. That, that, that it affords us that kind of influence, and that becoming is something that's that's always going on. I mean, Bhagwan is becoming. It's very interesting. That's, in materially speaking, we have to reinvent ourselves all the time to keep vital. Like if you're, you know, uh, in the entertainment business, some people are always in, in reinventing themselves. Or the politicians are reinventing themselves. Depends how the wind blows. You know, I'm on that side. <laughs> I've always been there. And so they, so they, so uh, uh, in, in in on the other end of the spectrum in Golok, right? There's an ongoing Krishna's reinventing himself all the time, with newer newer tastes, and and he looks fresh at every moment. Every time you see him in Anuragi, he looks new, different, 
uh, more of the same that that there is un, that there couldn't be any more of, hmm? more attractive. It's a very uh, dynamic, I want to say, understanding of Brahman. It has dynamism and it's exploding. It's it's a it's a it's it's a volcano of what will come next, and it can devour everything. The power of it. Pujapatrita is a big volcano in Hawaii. I think of it, and I look at marshes from Hawaii, largely. We were talking about it last night. Pujapatrita Marsh compared the explosion of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pursuit of Rag Bhakti that causes its distribution. The explosion is from his pursuit. It's a volcano. He called him the golden volcano. And the lava is going everywhere. So if you get in touch with the lava, what effort you have to make, the lava will just take you up right, and consume you. So, so it's not hard to change your material samskars to uh, bhakti samskars. That's the answer. Bhakti Devi ki jai, Sriman Mahaprabhu ki jai, Shri Gauri Vaishnav Guru Parampara ki jai, Gauradamadava ki jai, Hillsborough devotees ki jai, Gaur Premanandi, Vanchakalpaturubhyascha, Kripasandubhyevacha, Patitanam Pavanibhya Vaishnavibhya Namo Namaha.